and uh, I hope this blesses you. It is blessing me and challenging me at the moment. Are you ready? Are you with me? Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would use me for your purposes now, my mind, my words. So, Father, I pray for every one of our hearts that we'd be receptive, Father, to receive your word, to action on your word, Father, so we can become more like you, so we can know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. Appetite conversion. You know that that feeling when you get when you know that in the very near future you're going to do something that you really like a lot. That that warm fuzzy feeling when you think about the fact that you are gonna have a dinner with these great friends of yours or that you are going to go to the beach or that you and your wife are just going to snuggle in and have pizza and a movie or where you are going to do whatever sports you love um, or you're going to a sports stadium to watch it for the first time after lockdown again or when you are heading out to your favorite restaurant or where you're so looking forward to something that you're going to do right now and you get that that fuzzy feeling, right? That warm, fuzzy feeling. Now, that, that warm, fuzzy feeling is an indication of the fact that whatever this thing is makes your heart beat a little bit quicker and releases endorphins and hormones that makes you happy. Okay, that's warm and fuzzy. It sounds and it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to this. So, I want you to quickly speak to the person next to you for two minutes um, and tell them what are some of those, of those things. What are some of those things that, when you think about it, you're like, oh, this is going to be like a, this is going to be nice. All right? Quickly think about it and tell someone next to you. All right. So as you are, I, I, I could see Kenny at the, at the back explaining to Godfrey what it feels like when you see that massive Gilstar coming past. And it's one, it's one bigger than what your, what your dad has ever, ever, ever gotten, and you know you can take it. Um, and you know he's, how his face is going to look like when you get up on that boat with that thing. Um, so as you've spoken about that, and you can use this in a team building also once if you want. If you want people to feel warm and um, fuzzy while you do your, before you do something, you ask them to speak about things like this. Now you all feel warm and fuzzy. Okay. <laughs> so now this, now this message is going to take a turn. <laughs> all right. So many of those things are good things. Some of them are useless things. Some of them are bad things. Some of them are God things. All right? There's a lot of different things you might have just mentioned. As I said, some might be good, some might be bad. 
But even good things, even beautiful things must know its right place in order for it to really be what it really is. If our marriages or our sport is more to us than what it should be, then it could never really fulfill what we wanted to fulfill. And there is promises in God that surpasses that. So we read interesting guy like Paul um, who would write in Philippians 3 verse 8 to 11 and before you feel that I'm spoiling your warm fuzzy feeling just hang on a bit alright I'm, I'm trying to help is that Paul's saying in Philippians 3 verse 8 to 11 he says indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Now for those of you who know your Bible, while well, you would know that they decided to translate that as rubbish, because the real word that he used there sounds less biblical. Um, that I may... I count all things as loss, as rubbish, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and that I might share in his sufferings. And so we see, we see Paul's appetites here is vastly different from the way that my appetite is most of the time. And I've been asking God the last while and saying, God, I, I see something here that I need. I see, I see my appetite for that cup of coffee in the morning. When I wake up in the morning, then sometimes I think, am I more excited about the cup of coffee that I'm going to make now or about the scripture that I'm going to read now? Which one draws me? You know, am, like, am what am I, what is my appetite long for? And we see Paul here says that I, he's, he counts everything as rubbish. And his appetite, the things that I believe gave him warm, fuzzy feelings, is when he thought about his Lord and Savior Jesus and the fact that he can now know him personally. Now, for many Christians, if I say that, it just doesn't feel that warm and fuzzy. For some of us, it does. For some of us, it might not. It just doesn't feel as warm and fuzzy as that glass of red wine and that pizza and that movie. It just feels less fuzzy. It feels more like this religious thing. Sometimes. And... For some of us, it is real that we want to know him more than anything. And, and, and it gives you that fuzzy feeling when you think, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And that's what, what Paul's saying here. And we know that, that if the fuzzy feeling is connected to knowing him and what that means, then that you've trained your body and mind to respond correctly to the stimulus that's actually rooted in truth, eternal truth. Because there is no greater thing than knowing him. 
Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you. I've been singing that song the whole week. That there is no greater thing. And I'm trusting God for appetites to, to see this, acknowledge this and say, God, let this be my greatest appetite. Let me train my mind and my soul. Because we'd say Jesus first. We say Jesus is number one. We'd say all these things. But when it comes to the warm, fuzzy feeling, it actually says that our mind has been trained in a certain way. What does that say? And there is an invitation to the greatest joy, to the greatest uh, peace, an intimate one-on-one relationship with him. In this week, I felt, while I was, I was counseling someone, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that he can fulfill my calling without me. He doesn't need me for my calling. A lot of us are seeking God for our calling's sake. What should I do, Lord? He said to me, I can fulfill your calling without you. But one thing I cannot do without you, and that's have a relationship with you. And what an honor to be called as a child of the one who created heavens and earth to know him. One week whose character and whose omnipotence and omniscience and almightiness we cannot even fathom, we can get to know him, what greater thing can there be? And as, as Paul, ach, as Jesus said to Martha and Mary, he said, there, there is only one thing that's necessary in life, Martha, and that is to sit at my feet, to listen to my teaching, to be with me the, that is the one thing in life that's necessary. And often life's, life declares to us a lot of other stuff. It says, well, there's a lot of stuff necessary and there's a lot of nice things. And often spending time at the feet of Jesus becomes a nice thing to do when I do have time. Rather than the one thing that I'm clearing my diary for. And especially as we go into this holiday season, all these appetites, that we've been yearning for throughout the year now comes to the fore. I can now do as I please for a while. And I'm trusting that we would wrestle with God that appetite switch would come, that we would see the things that is really appetizing to us and see Jesus and say, but is this, is this in the correct balance? And I'm not saying the fuzzy feeling when you go jogging or eating meal with friends, that shouldn't go away but the warm fuzzy feeling about knowing him should and can surpass all that for a life in order and in his joy and in his peace to know him and I know for many of you it's like that and then he continues he says to know him maybe I should add to this I've been guilty of this this last couple of months with everything that's happened in our life and the move and the venue and after lockdown it's been crazy and I've I've been very guilty of a working relationship with God. I work with God really well. I hear him. He speaks to me. I can minister in the moment. I can receive a sermon in 
two minutes. I, it's just, I love it. But if you would work with your wife from eight to five, and you guys would rock it, but you've got nothing going on before eight to after five, you don't have a marriage. And the Lord has convicted me, so I'm just sharing with you where I'm at. I need to rekindle that and say, God, I'm, I've, this has been a nice, we've worked together amazingly now, but I need to know you again. Um, so it's been a big thing for me. It's a theme in my own life right now. And there are some other appetites that I have that I look at and think, but I, I don't want to feel this way about this. I don't want this to feel this way about, you know, eating at a restaurant. I just love eating at a restaurant. Get this warm, fuzzy feeling when someone says, I'll stick you at a restaurant. I'm like, oh, I love that so much. And I'm saying, Lord, but I've, like knowing you, like that's where, the, that's this heart's cry I have. But, but somehow my mind and body isn't always, tra- isn't trained to ensure that that's my, that's my obvious, obvious response, obvious, obvious go-to. And so we need to be honest with where we're at. And not only say that we want to know him, but also test it against our, appet- our appetites. To know him and the power of his resurrection. This speaks about the fact that he, when Jesus rose from the dead and all death and sin and everything was defeated... There, there's power released to conquer, to be victorious, to, to see salvation, to see miracles, to see heaven invading earth. A hunger that drives us to see the fullness of what he died for. A hunger, a warm fuzzy feeling when we think about the fact that Jesus can turn someone's life around and then going for it. I remember years ago having that warm, fuzzy feeling so often when we would, I was thinking, we are going to go to a mall now and then Jesus is going to touch people and he's going to see people healed and, and it's going to be amazing. And we, I would do that so often. It became a lifestyle and I've neglected that this last two years. And I don't want to neglect that because there is no greater joy than that. I remember reading um, 1 Corinthians 9.18 at some stage earlier in my life. And it's, it's where Paul says, and this is my reward. He's speaking about all of his suffering. And then he says, and this is my reward. And I, think, and I thought, to myself, what will be his reward? And you can go and read it. It literally says, this is my reward that I may preach the gospel of Christ without cost. And I remember back then I thought, what? The reward? That's the work. What's the reward? How can you say that's the reward? For all your suffering, your reward is to do the work. And I didn't get it. And I remember a while later, I, I was still, um, I, was, I was working, uh, I, was still just, I was a student and I did a little part-time job and I was working with two guys that weren't Christian and one morning in my quiet time I felt God tell me to go to pray for the one guy I knew he had an ear infection that he's been struggling with and God said why didn't you why haven't you prayed for him yet so and for the other guy I 
felt the Lord give me a word of knowledge where he told me a lot of things of his past and of his father and blah, 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 blah. And I went in that day and I prayed for the guy with the ear issue and his ear literally popped open and he couldn't believe it. And he asked me, like, are you serious about, like, about Jesus and how does this work and what's going on? I mean, it's just an, an agnostic or an atheist guy coming to terms with the fact that there might be a God just healed my ear. And the joy I derive after such an encounter, it's like when Jason um, Colby scores that try, it's, it's just incredible to see God do something like that. You get addicted to stuff like that. That's a good addiction. And then for the other guy, I was driving somewhere with him, and I just told him, I said, hey, man, I believe God has been speaking to me about you. And God's like, well, what do you even mean? I mean, like God and God about me. Well, what? I mean, he didn't even know where to box that. And I spoke to him the things, and he said, how did you know that? And I said, I told you God spoke to me about you. And so two of these guys in one day had this moment where they realized there had to be a God. And I remember driving home, and I was weeping in the car, worshiping. I said, God... Every day, like this, there is nothing greater. There's no greater feeling on earth. There's no greater high. There's no restaurant meal that feels like this. There's no movie that feels like this. There's, no, there's nothing that feels like this. And then I felt him say to me, do you remember that scripture that Paul said, this is my reward, that I may preach the gospel of Christ without, without cost. When you see that power of his resurrection happening. There's nothing like it. It's much more than a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's more like a fire that consumes you. And for us to grow that hunger and to say, God, that is what I want to be hungry for. And then the last one. All of this is a great you know, test of where we're at in our spiritual walk. This last one specifically is a maturity test. That I would count everything as rubbish. That I may suffer with him. It's actually really simple. Many of you are athletes. You know that if you need to do some hill sprints, it's good for you and you want to do it. And after you've done a few and you're with your friend that's training with you and your throat is burning and your muscles are burning, you'd give each other a high five and say, well done. And, you, and you'll go for the next one and you'll get home and think, this is so good for me. Are you with me? And if you aren't athletes, but just eat. Imagine you were. <laughs> All right? A, someone that trains for something, whether you're a musician and you train on that instrument until your fingers bleed, you feel that that's that sense of that's so good for me. Nothing that's worthwhile is easy. And we've, we're made in that way. And spiritually, we're so often avoidant 
of suffering. We're so often avoidant of things that are tough. A world that just says you can have it easy, you can have it nice, you can have it comfortable, you can have it twice. And that actually doesn't lead to life. But as much as we know that the burning of your throat and your muscles and that pain the next day leads to life, we understand that in a natural sense. Scripture speaks about suffering in the same way. It uses words like, consider it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. Pure joy. Another scripture says, leap for joy. Another one says, rejoice. When they speak about sufferings. Because when you see what it does, when you see what that heel sprints do for your running or for running a personal best, then you get addicted to those heel sprints. You like them. They burn. It's good for you. And this is a maturity test. And many of you are called into this space and say, stop opting for comfort. It's going to kill you. It will not deliver on its promise. But when we come to terms with the fact that Scripture calls us into suffering and says that is, we, if, you could, if you could see this, you could rejoice in this. I'm, I feel like a rugby coach who's, who's trying to explain to his team why, why fitness is important. And some of the, the high school third team guys would be like, mm, yeah. But the guys that just made it into the first super rugby season would be like, I'm, I'm all in. I'll die for this. And that's what God's calling us into, to maturity. To say this suffering. And you know, suffering isn't suffering when you're not suffering. It doesn't make suffering go away. When you sprint the hill, your throat still burns. But you, when you get to the top, you high-five someone and say, yes. Rather than saying, oh, this is terrible. My throat is burning. I don't know what I'm doing. Never going to do this again in my life. It just doesn't make sense. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Don't avoid it. And I almost want to say, just accepting it as a reality and saying, oh, I know suffering is part of the Christian walk. That's okay. But that's not it. To actually count everything as loss. And say, I desire that. I, I, I have an appetite. I, I want us to grow an appetite for that. In the last days, Christians who do not have an appetite for that will not be Christians anymore. Because the thing that they hope the Christian life promises will just not be what they thought it was. And then they will run away. In the last days, the love of many will grow cold because they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I'm calling many of you to maturity right now. I'm saying, 
test your appetite. And I'm doing that right now. Because this is a sermon for me. And I'm saying, Lord, I need to have my appetite converted so that it would actually make eternal sense and that it would align with real joy and real peace and not these things that I'm continually trying to manufacture on my own. The things that give us fuzzy feelings are the things that we have learned by repeated behavior to love the most. Our bodies and minds respond to this, and then we will seek them. We will spend time and money on them, and we will work towards having them, even subconsciously. Even if we sometimes confess we want Jesus first, the proof is in the fuzzy feeling. I want Jesus to give me much more than warm, fuzzy feelings. And I'm trusting for that, and I'm asking that you trust for that with me. A few scriptures to end off with. Galatians 5, verse 24, that says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Why? Because we crucify what brings death. I do what I do because I'm really I'm passionate about that, so it must be God. You would be really passionate about what God has called you to do, for sure. But what you are really passionate about is not necessarily what God has called you to do. If we crucify this, and it sounds like this morbid thing, because, but if you see that you've been called into the marvelous light on the other side of that grave... You run to it. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any of you would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm asking myself, this life I'm living here in Cape Town, am I denying myself or not? Most of the time, just not. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, You... Make known to me the path of life. He knows. In your presence there is fullness of joy, not occasional happiness. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We can get the worship team on. We're going to worship God now. And um, we're going to meet with them. And um, as you worship God, I'm, I, I ask you that you would ask him to, that he would bring stuff to light that you need to crucify. Ask, even ask forgiveness for that you've made so much of it in comparison with what you make about him. And it's not about trying to make him more. It's about being transformed so that he is made more that you would hunger for that which truly satisfied especially as we go into this season of we can do whatever we want to do now that it would be Jesus there would be a time of transformation 
and aligning our appetites with the king and his kingdom and eternity and joy and peace and miracles and salvation and purpose and hope. You could stand with us.